Hello, uh, welcome to the latest edition of the 15 Minutes of Football Transfer News Central podcast. And James is here. Hi, everyone. I tried to change that slightly because I just seem to be like a monotonous robot repeating things um, yeah. weekly. And, and it's as though I've just got my um, copy and paste. I am actually here for the intro, so there we go. Now you know <laughs> I am not a robot. Um, I mean, it's been, uh, I mean, when this goes out, actually, it should just be before, if I am correct, the results for the American um, elections. And I'm sure we'll, the whole world will be watching that with eager eyes. Um, hopefully, um, well, I, I don't think we're allowed to show political bias, but. No. Uh, no, but uh, hopefully you're satisfied. Whatever the re- whatever way the result goes, I know James has a certain favourite. So do I, actually. Yeah, we're going to express that preference. Yeah, later. James wants to make America great again, don't you, James? I know, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> depends. It depends uh, in which not, way. Not, you the way that, not the way that other people do. He <laughs> <laughs> wants to do it without a cap, shall we say? Without uh, without okay. orange pants, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All I can all I can say though, hopefully, is this this upcoming podcast will be the best podcast you have ever heard. So uh, that's just my, is it? yeah. That's the no. last time we hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the greatest podcast in the history of podcasts. So um, hopefully, <laughs> that's, a that's quite scary. Thank you. Uh, well, what can I say? I, I, you need. I need to be uh, Patreon impressions, James. Patreon impressions. But anyway, as much as I'd love to sit here doing impressions of President Trump, uh, we've got more pressing issues at hand. Uh, four topics, fifteen minutes each. And I'll go through them chronologically because I seem to forget to do that most weeks. So we're going to look at uh, Diogo Jota, where he fits in at Liverpool, came off the bench uh, the weekend and uh, scored the winner, made a brilliant impact against West Ham. We'll look at breakdown uh, him as a player and where he fits into the Liverpool team in detail. We'll also look at Paul Pogba, uh, another player in the headlines, but this time for the wrong reasons. Uh, gave away a penalty in the big top six clash against Arsenal. Uh, a player with immense talent, uh, on his day world class, doesn't have his day too often. Uh, we'll dissect what we think of the Pogba situation and what we think should happen there um, with regards to uh, the Frenchman in the in the in the short and near and the long term future. We'll also look at uh, interactive element. We're going to look at the top five. In our opinion, top five goalkeepers in the Premier League, judging, and we've talked about goalkeepers a lot on this podcast, we're going to break down who we think are the best five of the Premier League and widen that discussion to the best goalkeepers across across Europe. And then we're going to uh, dissect what's going on in the European leagues with um, a bounce back um, for Juventus after a horribly performed, perhaps due to Ronaldo's return. He's got a brace. Um, and Barcelona... Um, their struggles continue uh, under Ronald Koeman. Uh, we'll be talking. We'll be covering all those foreign leagues in a bit more detail uh, in our final fifteen-minute segment. But first, Diogo Jota, uh, Liverpool, and yeah, it's all been a bit. Uh, you know, Liverpool have after the seven-two against Aston Villa, the two-two madness of the Merseyside derby. Uh, Liverpool have sort of got the heads back into gear. Uh, ground at, grinded out uh, two Champions League victories, uh, grinded out a victory against West Ham as well, mm. and Sheffield United actually. So it, it's been it's not been too pretty, but they've done quite well uh, to ride off any potential banana skins. And Diogo Jota has made a really good impact, hasn't he, James? He has very very positive impact. We talked about I think we talked on the podcast about last season about 
a Liverpool needed more depth because they had they had Salah, Mane, Firmino as, a, as an incredible front three. But we were always saying if one of them had got injured, then they'd be in trouble. They wouldn't have any, you know, any any alternative, you know, who was the same or similar quality or quality enough to play for Liverpool and do a job. This summer they have recruited Jota, obviously, and I think it was forty million like that from from, yeah. from Wolves. Uh, and you know he's been excellent. I mean he's done the job that he's been recruited for. He has come off the bench and made an impact. You know, I mean, he came off the bench yesterday and pretty much won in the game. So, uh, could have had two goals, did have one goal. Uh, definitely made an impact. Gave, gave gave the opposition something to think about, different to what they had before. And it means that they have options. It means that if they want to rest one of their one of the front three, they can do that. And there's less concern about a drop off in quality. If one of them gets injured, they've got an alternative. You can come into the team, uh, and and this season it's really important to have squad depth because it's been congested. There's going to be pretty much two games a week, especially for the top teams. It seems that are in the Champions League teams or in Europe, and so they you need you need depth because there could be more injuries uh, and players get tired, and so it's important to have a strong squad. And Liverpool have been clever in what they've bought they've you know they've obviously Thiago is a great signing but he wasn't playing yesterday he hasn't played in the games that they've won which is a good sign <laughs> because it means that he can come in and improve them and yeah Jota is, a, is an excellent player the only concern for Liverpool is the defence because they're still conceding goals you know they're conceding goals still and goals that maybe they shouldn't be conceding as well mm. uh, and not only is Van Dijk injured but Fabinho is now injured and you know they're you know then they haven't got elite centre backs. I mean they've got Gomez obviously who's who is a very good centre back, but outside of that, their options are limited. Yeah. And over a whole season, that's difficult to sustain. You can get you can get away with it for a few weeks, but uh, and maybe Fabinho only injured for a few weeks, hopefully for Liverpool. Um mm. but over a whole season it's difficult to sustain that level of quality. At the back, no, it absolutely is. of that of that ability that's not that's not there. Now, if Fabinho comes back, then that shouldn't be. Then I don't mm. think there'll be a problem as much because mm. because he's a good because he's proved he's a very good defender. Mm. We've uh, talked about that on the podcast as well. Character, yeah. he's experienced. Yeah, we've talked about him before. So um, yeah, but in terms of attacking options, Jota. Has made has been a very shrewd signing for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, 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 yeah. That was actually. I should, I should, I should have um, gave a little shout out. Uh, fan of the podcast, uh, David Embower uh, at Embower David on Twitter, journalist and digital editor for CGTN Africa, and he was sort of asking. Um, he asked me on the tweet um, about if we felt so. We've sort of, you've, you've, we've discussed that he gives them strength and depth in the squad. Uh, and it's it, almost not got a defined position actually. At Wolves, he was sort of in the three-four-three, three, and he was the he was the right, he was the left forward. Sorry, in the three-four-three, three. Um, and you know he's he was sort of a one-in-three kind of uh, player for Wolves in terms of his goal scoring output. Um, last year, forty-eight games in all competitions, sixteen goals, so it's literally one-in-three. Um, also got seven assists, but it is worth noting that nine goals and four, five assists 
out of the out of the 16 goals and seven assists total were in uh, the Europa League or Europa League qualifying. So in the Premier League, it wasn't quite as consistent. And a few Wolves fans noted that last year. There was a bit of a drop-off in terms of his consistency. Um, and they weren't, even though they, he was a fan favourite at Wolves, with the likes of uh, Podence and Neto, uh, other exciting options for Wolves in the wide forward positions, they weren't too upset to see him go for £41 million. Um, but it's worth noting again that Liverpool um, sold Key the young defender, 18-year-old defender, central defender to Wolves, in part exchange with that deal, and he went to Wolves for £10 million. So essentially, it's more of a £31 million uh, signing. But just before just before that uh, season, uh, season before that in the Premier League, debut season in the Premier League, 10 goals and 7 assists uh, in 37 appearances, and then in the Championship, 17 goals and 6 assists. You know, so what? What I think those stats are, those underlying stats are pretty good. And as we say, sort of, fall into the slight one in three or slightly better terms of output for um, for Jota in what many would argue to be quite a defensive-minded Wolves team uh, in which Raul Jimenez is often the go-to man for, for the goals. When Often when you see Wolves winning one and two nil, it was as a result of Jimenez. So those numbers are pretty good, aren't they, with all, all that being considered? Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to remember, he's Liverpool's first choice 11, he doesn't start. Right? Yeah, not, well, that, that's, that's been actually... Bought, been bought to be a regular starter. So, mm. I mean, it'd be very difficult for Liverpool to attract a player who would be to be a regular starter in that front three because it's so it's so set and it's such high quality and there's still and it's still performing. So, like someone like Jota is kind of perfect because he's not he's probably not going to start every single game or be a regular starter and maybe even wouldn't expect to be, but. He's a guy that can do a consistent job if a dependable job if you bring him in uh, off the bench or starting even. So, yeah, and it's it's kind of the right price as well for that kind of player because a starter you'd probably be looking at much more expensive, you know, for a starter for well, Liverpool. Well, uh, I think that that would that whatever, but like, but someone he's not signed to be a regular starter, but he's signed to give them depth, um, mm. and he can start regularly for them, but. When everyone's fit, you're going to start Mane, Salah, and Firmino, aren't you? Mm. You're going to, well, you want- that was the point, James. Really, uh, I think part of the question David asked, which I was thinking about as well, is you know you've you, you've said very clearly there that you think he was signed back up. So do I. I think he was, um, but um, you know, and people said it's quite expensive for backup, but he's certainly proving his value at the moment. And also Manchester City across the pond have also spent quite a lot on backup options. Um, but with the, with, the, with the level of his performances, you know, the little tricky uh, movements that he, he has when he's on the field, you know, uh, his ability to find goals, his ability to create goals, to win his team free kicks and maybe, maybe even penalties uh, with his nifty footwork. There is there is method, I think, in, in many people's eyes in that he maybe starts over someone like Firmino who isn't delivering the levels that we saw necessarily um, in the past for Liverpool. The obvious counter-argument to that is people say, and quite rightly so, that Firmino is a player who is in a very unique position. He plays a very unique way in that Liverpool team. And his off-the-ball movements and his small little flicks that he does in that false nine role can create spaces and open up gaps for Salah and Mane to be more efficient. And the argument is... If Salah and Mane are scoring goals, 
uh, over, you know, consistently over the season, and both of them have been, then Firmino is doing his job. But people are seeing Firmino also get opportunities in the centre, and as a striker or as a false nine, as uh, many people call him the defensive striker, and that's almost been parodied at times by opposing fans. That means if Firmino misses a chance from 12 yards, it's because he's a defensive striker, so it doesn't matter. Of course it does. Um, But the point is, uh, should we be judging Firmino a bit more on on his lack of ability to finish chances at the moment? And if we are doing, then should that give... Jota the opportunity to come in into that position um, if Firmino's not delivering when he actually has the ball at his feet? Good question. Very good question. Because, I mean, Firmino has, uh, as, number, as a false nine has been excellent. And, I mean, his job actually, ironically, isn't to score 20 goals a season. It's, like you say, the flick-ons, the assists, the holding the ball up, the dropping deep and creating space for people like Star. Salah and Mane to run into uh, and they score the goals but at the same time when he has chances he needs to be able to score them and so I mean Jota took his chances yesterday I mean he had pretty much two chances and he scored both of them one of them was disallowed correctly I think yeah but the other one was a great finish the one he actually scored so yeah he puts pressure on him in that position and that's good top side you need competition for places you need other players pushing you so that you get better. Like top players respond to competition and they improve themselves. I remember like when uh, a quote from Frank Lampard, when Abramovich bought Chelsea and he was, all these other players were being signed. He, he said to himself, well, either I can leave or I can get better. And he chose to get better. And of course it, you saw the career he had. And so top, I, th- I think top players respond well to competition and it pushes them to improve and to work harder and perform better because they know that somebody is right there behind them waiting to take their place. And uh, that's really, really important for any top team, I think. Well, I think it's it's worth reading out Firmino's stats over the past few seasons, actually. 17-18 season, 15 Premier League goals and seven assists in in, in the Premier League season. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, in the, in the Premier League season, after 18-19, it's 12 goals and seven assists, so a drop-off a drop of three goals uh, from the 17-18 season. And then in the 19-20 season, it's nine goals and eight assists. So he's got one more assist in the Premier League, but his uh, goals in the Premier League that season drop off again by three. So um, in the space of two seasons, his amount, the amount of Premier League goals he's scored just dropped by six. Uh, assists have remained largely similar, seven and eight. So there has been a bit of a decline. I remember actually uh, it was against Chelsea that Firmino scored his only Premier League goal of the season last last season, wasn't it? At Anfield. His only Anfield. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah. No, no, yeah, sorry about that. It was just to make the point, though, in terms <laughs> no, of... No, I'm Yeah, no, no, I'm only messing. Good but God. it was... Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a good header, actually. But it does go to show the point, actually, that... Even though when Firmino first started out in this role, maybe as the false nine, he was getting at roughly one in three goals, which was or better actually than one in three, certainly with 15 goals in the Premier League. And 12 is roughly one in three. So again, he's slowly, he's kind of delivering himself as well as for other people at that point. But last season, there was a bit of a drop off. And the start of this season, there's been moments where you're watching him and he's just not, finishing chance it's almost like he's trying to be too clever with his finishes um and you know at what point do you you say okay one in three is okay when he's trying to deliver for the others but um what happens if it drops to a one in five you know average yeah i mean 
Yeah, I mean, they won the title last year, remember? Mm. Uh, yeah. By his um, so he and I think he played a key role in that, even though he didn't. Score he did, it. but at the same time, he's not getting any younger, and they're going to have to find another alternative, uh, another starter. I mean, to be honest, Salah, Mar- Salah, and Mane and Firmino are all in their late twenties now. They're not; mm. they're kind of in their peak. You know, but mm. it means that within two or three years, they're going to have to be replaced, all of them. So. Mm. Uh, well, they have to be thinking about that, and there was that, and that's probably one of the reasons why they were linked with Timo Werner is because mm. he's 24. He's a he would fit into their system mm. uh, because he plays can either left or you can play in the center or whatever, play the false nine, whatever. But obviously they didn't get him. He went to Chelsea, but but the fact that they were linked with him um, is interesting, I think. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go for another. Big forward next summer. I mean, there were rumors of Mbappe, weren't there? But I highly doubt that would happen because of the because of the expense. But but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they went for a proper another forward next summer. Yeah, well, they have been, they've been playing four two three one as well, actually. So there is that possibility of Jota or Firmino in the ten with the other one up top, and then Jota could also play out wide and Salah goes up top. Uh, but I suppose they'd have to tinker with that a bit. But you know, do you see possibly four two three one bit more of a defensive axis for them? now that they're struggling a bit at the back and then yeah. you can play all four of them? Or is that a bit of an extreme OTT? Well, with the 4-2-3-1, you have to have players in midfield in the two who will link up the defence and the attack because if you don't have that, then it can become disjointed. Mm. Um, you need to have... like I mean, uh, when Chelsea won the title in 2015, they <laughs> have Fabregas and Matic. And of course, Fabregas' passing is, is fantastic. Well, what about Henderson and Thiago? The attack. Henderson and Thiago. Henderson and Thiago. Yeah, that would work because yeah. Thiago is perfect for that kind of, you know, spraying the ball around, passing, linking the play, linking up midfield and attack. But yeah. Just- just that to answer, work. just to answer, James, the the overriding question is: is Jota for you brilliant start that he's made to his Liverpool career? Is he is he someone who's going to break into the starting eleven and be a regular, or is he always going to be the man who's maybe the impact sub and or, or starts the not as the big games? I, you, you can never tell. He could do. He could if he performs consistently. He could end up in that team. Yes. Okay. So we'll go for yes. You can't rule anything out. I wouldn't say he. I'm not going to say he definitely is. No. But I wouldn't say he isn't either because because um, he's a good player and Klopp improves players. Yes. Yeah. And you never know what could what could happen. So yes. Very good. Fantastic decisiveness there from James uh, on uh, on the um, on, on whether Jota will start or not. Yeah. But it's a good way to. Hey, you know, it's you, at least you can't attack us on social media. It's a good way to move on to the next um, topic, actually. Paul Pogba, who's not having as good a time of it at the moment. This podcast is being filmed on or recorded on Sunday night. Manchester United have just lost 1-0. Paul Pogba gave away the penalty and didn't do too much going forward. That being said, as a disclaimer, no one for Manchester United did anything going forward. So Bruno Fernandes was quiet. Marcus Rashford was quiet. Mason Greenwood was quiet. Scott McTominay played the full 90 minutes, and despite United being the goal. Um, and Luke Shaw was taking all the corners and the, and the free kicks, which I also found a bit strange. But um, yeah, this, this, this is more aimed at Paul Pogba because he's, he's a man who's always in the headlines, for good and for bad reasons. Um, uh, I think it was on uh, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville had very um, different views on Paul Pogba. Uh, well, similar in the sense that he's, he's still got something to fulfil, but Carragher's more that he, 
you know, the time's up essentially on his Man United, the potential of his Man United career and Gary Neville's still a bit more optimistic. This was before the Arsenal game. Just as just your initial thoughts, really, James, we're going to go into it in more detail. So be as brief as you can. But where do you generally stand on Paul Pogba and his time at Man United? Well, firstly, he's a world-class player on his day. There's no question about that for me. And B, I haven't seen, I haven't seen much of that at Manchester United in all the time he's been there. I haven't seen much of... We've seen it in a few games, in a few isolated games or a few runs of form, you know, but not consistently. And mm. Man United need to be competing at the top consistently. That's what a club like Man United should be doing. And Paul Pogba wants to be playing football in a team that can compete for the Champions League and the league titles. And he's not getting that at Manchester United right now. I... He's a, like the problem is if he performs in his peak form consistently, then you keep him, right? Uh, without any question. But he's not, and you need to build a team rather than keep trying. I mean, this like unlocking Pogba thing it's like has gone on for his whole time at Man United. So you can still get good money for him. He's he's only got a year left in his contract, I think, after this year or two years. He's not getting any younger and he'll want to win the Champions League and he'll want to win more titles. So I think it will make sense next summer to sell him. Uh, you've got Van der Beek already, who is a good player, who just mm. hasn't been playing. And you can use that money to, to rebuild the team, to bring in a quality defensive midfield player because they don't because Matic is still yeah, he still has his good days, but he's not at his peak anymore. So you could bring in a top-class defensive midfield player and use the money in other places as well and build a team rather than keep focusing on like trying to unlock Pogba. But mm. on the other hand, if like if he can if someone can get him performing consistently at his level, then obviously you would keep him. But that's not happening at the moment. No, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, to be honest, if you need to unlock Pogba, you need a skeleton key almost at this point, don't you? Because it not no key uh, necessarily fits. At this moment in time, it, I mean, there's a disclaimer again. Um, Paul Pogba does come in for a lot of criticism, but you know, I, I think you, because of that, because of maybe some things uh, not always um, hitting the standard on the field, I think some people consider him to maybe be a bad apple or um, you know, someone uh, someone who's a troublemaker. And I don't, I don't necessarily see that. I think you, you know, he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. He's a Muslim. So he, uh, uh, so he doesn't drink, and he doesn't pick. He doesn't pick dressing room fights. He doesn't call people out. Um, you know, necessarily, he's not. He's not someone who seems to be abrasive in any in any by any stretch of the imagination. And you know, when he when he goes on the field, actually, it was sort of we talked about this actually. And to, just to quote something you said last week, we're talking about number ones and number twos as centre backs, and you've got your number ones are your world class centre backs who are leaders and dominant, and your number two are your world class centre backs who need your lead next to them. And we maybe use the Varane and Ramos example then with Real Madrid. Uh, but could Pogba be like the number two midfielder in that he is someone who uh, needs someone to sort of pull him around and, and pull his strings alongside him in the midfield? But if he has that leader next to him, the world-class leader, then he will himself in turn look world-class. And maybe that is how you unlock someone, by having a leader next to him to make sure he's doing his job, to keep him in line, to keep him in check, but also allowing him to do the things that he does so well which is going forward, creating stuff, attacking contributions. Does he need that leader next to him? Because he isn't a natural leader, say, in the midfield himself. 
Maybe, yeah. I mean, at Juventus, he was superb, and he had, and he had that leader next to him, didn't he? I think. Um, and I can't remember who was next to him. My mind's gone blank. We, but, they had uh, a lot in, in, in Juventus. You had Pirlo, Marquisio, exactly, um, yeah. you know, and lots of experience around him. I think. Uh, yeah, exactly, and that helped him. It kind of freed him up to do what he wanted to, to express himself. Because uh, he was superb at Juventus. He was absolutely top class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why they paid £89 million for him. So, mm. yeah, uh, you're right, I think. Yeah, Man United don't quite have that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, and I just think maybe in his own mind he wants... I think there might be a bit of frustration that Man United are not competing well, right at the elite level. They're not competing for the Premier League. I mean... You know, we're just going to win the Champions League either so i think there might be a bit of frustration on his part which I mean, just to say it, in terms of like leadership and, and vocalness maybe on and off the field when Zlatan Ibrahimovic was at Man United that was arguably well it was certainly Paul Pogba's best season for Jose Mourinho and I think yeah. he, he, he did quite well for Manchester United then and you saw how much respect Paul Pogba had for Ibrahimovic certainly in off the field situations with interviews that they had you could see you looked up to him a lot because this was a superstar, he was, um, you know, such a such a presence uh, in that Man United dressing room, and it seemed to have a really good effect on Pogba and, and, and Ibrahimovic. Actually, for all his uh, theatrics, is someone who works really hard for the manager, and he wants to instill a, instill a winning mentality in the dressing room. And I don't think it's coincidental that when he didn't, when he left Man United, that kind of leadership and that desire on the field quickly evaporated and, 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 and eroded away uh, also with with Pogba himself as well um, I mean he's it's weird because he's played in a lot of uh, positions today uh, sorry well against Arsenal he played in a diamond the 4-4-2 diamond he did against Leipzig as well um, I thought he did quite well against Leipzig on the left of the diamond actually and in patches I thought he did quite well against Arsenal in the diamond although Certainly not enough to um, make anyone sort of stand up and, and draw breath. I mean, well, mouth ajar. But um, he was, you know, he, he left of a diamond, played as a number six in a double pivot, played as a number 10 in a four-two-three-one as well. He's also been, um, as we say, on the left-hand side uh, in a four-two-three-one. He did again today when, when Solskjaer changed formation. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because... Paul, the manager doesn't seem. We, we all, every. I mean, to be having the debate about where Paul Pogba's p- best position is now is is quite crazy, yeah. isn't it? But also, yeah, I suppose as well, the amount of the amount of changing, I suppose, Man United have done in terms of the team, in terms of the formation. It's not just Pogba. There's an uncertainty really with everything, and it's not necessarily only going to Solskjaer's fault because again, he's sort of making the best of what he has in many ways from time to time, and he's having to shift formations to um, to keep the life prolong the life cycle of a team that's not really been strengthened too much in the summer window in terms of people that can come straight into the eleven. And it's almost like he's trying to prolong the life cycle and trying to inject new life into players by playing a different way after. Doing so well with the four-two-three-one, so it sort of comes back to your point, James. In that you know, Pogba's shown for Solskjaer, for Mourinho, shown big patches how good he can be. But then, when the people above Ole Gunnar Solskjaer don't necessarily get the recruits in to, you know, make all the other players stand up and go, "Wow, we're going to have to compete um, for our places." 
well, staleness comes in, doesn't it? And you think, well, we're just going round in circles. And surely, mm. like someone of, of Pogba's level, who's a World Cup winner, who's, uh, you know, obviously got ambitions to win all the competitions, he's going to be thinking, well, I, I you know, I, I want to be in a team where I can look around, I can see leaders everywhere, and, and, and I want players to make the runs that I want them to make, and I want this to play the football that I want this to play. Maybe yeah. he's got his own frustrations. Yes, I absolutely think he has. And- I mean, he's a. I mean, I, he. Yeah, you're right. He gets treated really unfairly. He's got a winning mentality. He's got an elite mentality. He wants to win trophies. Hmm. He wants to win titles. He, you know, he's hungry for that. Um, can, we, can I just say, just be, can you can carry on, but th- could you explain maybe the difference between a winning mentality and a leader? Because they are slightly different, aren't they? Uh, yeah, a leader. Oh, yeah. I mean, a leader is somebody who's quite vocal on the pitch, who organises everybody else on the pitch who sets the example for everybody else on the pitch, who can calm things down. Like, I mean, okay, Tiago Silva, for example. Like, Chelsea didn't have any leadership at the back last year, right? So he comes in and he's just a calming influence. He's organising everybody else. He's performing consistently. He's setting an example. Yeah, someone who is vocal as well, um, who, who can bring other people with him and raise the standard of performance for everybody else. Um, through his sheer presence, Pogba is a winning mentality. Is basically a player that wants, basically that wants to win titles and wants to compete at the highest level every single season, no matter what. Uh, and you know, is works hard, is professional, and yeah, has the right attitude and the right kind of character. Uh, that's what I call a winning mentality, I guess. And, and you say Pogba has that? I think. I think he wants to win major trophies and he wants to be in a team that is competing at the top level. Does he have the work rate that you just described? I see. I think what, I think what can happen is when he gets frustrated, it can drop off because he Subco- gets, subconsciously or purposely. Do you yeah. Think? I don't think it's a conscious thing. I don't think he's, I don't like this, this accusation. He's got a bad attitude. I don't agree with. He's just a bit misunderstood. And, uh, yeah, I think he just gets eventually. You get frustrated. Like I've seen, I've seen it happen with other players, where they're playing, they're top players playing in teams that aren't that aren't good enough to win to win league titles and things. I mean, Stephen Gerrard had it at Liverpool for years, where he was, you know, you knew that he he was good enough to win league titles and and Champions Leagues consistently in the right team, but you didn't have the right team around him. But he was a le- he was a leader though, wasn't he? He was a leader. I mean, what, okay. Well, I mean, he's a he he's a leader as well. But okay, I mean, there's other players where you you could say that they they played it. Well, they're not playing for clubs that are going to compete for trophies, but you know that they're good enough to. And you eventually you can get frustrated because you're not um, you're not winning things, and you're not. Does Bruno things. Does Bruno Fernandez get frustrated though? Because some would argue that even though he maybe doesn't. Uh, well, no, some would say he has a similar level of quality to Pogba. Personally, I think if both were on top four, I'd have Pogba. But yeah, uh, he, he's, a, he's a, probably an 80% of Pogba's ability, maybe. Not quite as good, but he does deliver more consistently, largely down to the fact he's willing to run more, tackle more, and get about the pitch a bit more, maybe. Maybe he has yeah. a bit more of a, a leadership mentality in the middle. He's more of a leader than Pogba, yeah, mm. absolutely. Lots of United fans have talked about him as a potential captain, mm. uh, So, which is something saying something after six months. You know, he's only been well, not six months now, is it? It's ten months. You know, he's joined in January. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, he's a leader. Um, there's no question about that. Popper isn't, and yeah. and he seems to be very particular as well. If he doesn't respect 
the manager or doesn't respect players he's playing with or they don't meet his standard or whatever, there's, yeah, he seems to get frustrated. I, I, I would think the best thing for his career would be to go, would be to leave Man United. I do. Because he would, he would have people interested in him. You know, interested in him. Real Madrid would be interested in him. You know, and he would win trophies at either of those clubs and probably be with better squads than he is at the moment. And just to finish um, this section, where do you think, where would you see a prime candidacy being for Pogba to go? Where would you say? In brief. It's difficult. I don't think, I don't think he's a priority for Real Madrid. Um, so, I also don't think Zidane will be at Real Madrid next season. I mean, I if Pirlo's still at Juventus, maybe there's um, an yeah, option for him to go Zidane back to Juventus. Yeah, Juventus next season. So, um, <laughs> so Juventus. I think Juventus is, is, is very possible. Mm, yeah, well, that's uh, good enough. Juventus. Sorry, that's. I mean, that's good enough for the for the section, and that sort of. I mean, that was that poker section. I think it was lots of going round. So it's a very complicated situation where I think we sort of meandered in and out and ended up going round in a few circles there. But I do think it's a hard one to really nail down. It's very it difficult. difficult. Yeah. Yeah, um, as we and uh, and I'm, you know, it, it's it's an enigma that probably will never be sold as far as um, Manchester United uh, are concerned. But maybe it's just one of those scenarios where a new club would give him a new lease of life. Anyway, debate time, I suppose, uh, if you want to call it that. So as I, as I said at the start of the, when I was reeling, uh, listing off the topics, uh, we talked about goalkeepers a lot. I'm going to go through the top five Premier League goalkeepers in terms of, uh, well in terms of whatever me or James think makes a good goalkeeper. Um, we're going to try and tie that into uh, European goalkeepers and hopefully provide some uh, good topical discussion on a position on the pitch that's really changed over the over the years. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast in terms of how it's changed over the past 10 years. James, would you like to briefly discuss, uh, recap, how we feel like that position's changed? Well, yes, I think we, we talked about this before and, I think 10 years ago, goalkeepers were primarily about shot-stopping, commanding your area, coming out, claiming crosses, being tall, being big, um, you know, and basically protecting the goal. And that was pretty much the, the job. Now, um, part of being a top goalkeeper is arguably distribution, um, passing out from the back, even like kicking long as well. Um, that counts as distribution or long passing even to the midfield. That's an important, like, if you look at the top goalkeepers in the world, most of them now are good at distribution. And when you look at top clubs who are signing keepers, most of them look for keepers you've got, you know, with good distribution. It's one of the things that people, the scouts look for when they're scouting goalkeepers for top clubs. Uh, and it's just become part of the game. And uh, you know, you've got a few goalkeepers who are still kind of the old school kind of goalkeepers who are still very good keepers. Like Nick Pope, for example, is one of those who is, I think, a very good keeper, but he's not quite got the distribution in his game. Now, you can argue that's because he plays for a club which doesn't really pass the ball out from the back, but he's not really had a chance to develop that. Side what do you mean? Depth. It's like Barcelona at Turf Moor every week, James. You should know no, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but then you have people like, obviously, Alan, Alison and Larice Edison. They're all really good at, they've, they've all got distribution in their locker. Like, yeah, they can all pass out from the back. Like, especially Alison and Edison, they've been 
they've been excellent within see, that I, see it's funny you say that I don't actually rate Lloris from, with his distribution at all I think that's he's an example yeah, of Lloris a goalkeeper that's why I said Alison and Edison especially because uh, yeah. those two have kind of perfected the art of it and uh, and that's the thing I mean look, remember when Pep joined Man City like mm. he like Joe Hart had been the number one for years at Man mm. City and done really well and then he got rid of him because he didn't do the distribution side as well and that was a big statement. Well, he lost his he lost his head and shoulders adverts after that, didn't he? As well, uh, Joe Hart. So it was a, it was a real yeah, sort of yeah. Because I still think he's a good keeper. It's just it, what happened to him. He damaged his mental health. I think his confidence. And, like he had a bit of a low period, you know. And um, now he's at Spurs, which is probably the right place for him, to be honest, in terms of the style of football. Uh, because um, you know, if he plays, it won't be so. Dependent on him being able to pass out from the back, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. So that, that's a good. That was sort of a good summary, actually, James. And I mean, we'll we'll start from the top, actually. I suppose because it's. I think I think we should have similarities at the top, really. Uh, yeah. Maybe using a using an old Joe Hart reference, I would say that Alison and Edison are head and shoulders above <laughs> the rest of the pack. Joe Hart used to do shampoo adverts, everybody, but uh, it would be headed. <laughs> They would be. That's terrible. Um, yeah, that 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 that, that was awful. Uh, spooky Halloween. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Spooky Halloween. Uh, we're not sponsored by Head and Shoulders, everybody. No, we're not. No, other shampoo brands are available. Yeah, I forgot about that. I usually that's usually I do that usually in jest, and I forgot to do it then. That was probably an appropriate thing to do. Um, yeah. Uh, so I would say, yeah, my my top two easily, Alison and Edison, and, and for the reasons one and two as well. And for the reasons we discussed and you just discussed, I think I sort of, in my head, I, I, I sort of broke it down into, I'm not sure if assertivity is a word, but assertiveness is a word. So assertiveness. So in terms of, you know, you're going to get a consistency in terms of they can lead it lead from the back. So whether that's by vote, being vocal or coming out and claiming the ball and the defenders are comfortable with them there. And they, they, they know they're not going to make too many mistakes, so they're not panicking. And I think Edison and Alisson are both assertive goalkeepers, very assertive. Uh, Alisson, I think, is outstanding in terms of his assertiveness. And I think Alisson's a better shot stopper and he's more assertive than Edison. Uh, but I would say Edison is a better, is a better distributor than Alisson. But Alisson's still the second best distributor in the league. I think Edison's distribution is amazing. And when he came to England, he had mouths open down to the floor with what he could do with the football. And people even said, uh, so partially in jest, oh, this guy could play midfield. And then some people say, no, but he really could play midfield because he can do, his kicking is remarkable. And Manuel Neuer really, who I believe probably has, has rejuvenated his career so much, I'd probably say he's the best in the, in the world again. Um, but when he came onto the, but when he came onto the scene, his kicking was his distribution was outstanding. But I think Edison's is even better than that. What he's able to do with the ball at his feet is remarkable. However, because Allison's got the, is I, I think is a bit more assertive and is a bit of a better shot stopper. Um, I think he's a better all rounder in that he's a world class shot stopper. He's world class with his assertiveness and he's world class with his distribution. I think I put him ahead of Edison. I agree. One hundred percent. Yeah, and all first Edison. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, that's good. Um, so that <laughs> yeah, and again, they they've really just as a final a quick final topic on on those two people, they've really changed perceptions of goalkeepers in England. Where as as you say, before it wasn't as distribution orientated, but 
you know, two of the best clubs in England over the past few years, and it all starts from the back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, the two dominant teams of the last three seasons, you know, mm. uh, you know, they've both got keepers who are brilliant distributors from the back, as well as good shot stoppers. Edison's a little bit better, though, isn't he, with his kicking a little bit? Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Edison's the best, better distribution, but yeah, I think as an all-round package, yeah. I mean, and and Alison, uh, Alison's distribution's good. It's really good. But oh, Edison's, yeah. But Edison's yeah. is. If that, yeah. that's not a word. It's more of an onomatopoeic expression. But you know, yeah. it's it's. Yeah, so that's good. an example for everybody else. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, so and, who's yeah. who's in at number three then? And I'm tr- and we try and do this really in terms of where the goalkeepers are on top form. But so who's in at number three when you look at them now and think if they were in good, if they were at the at the peak of their powers, uh, uh, as what we expect their peak of the powers to be, who who would you have in, in at number three? Premier League. Yeah. It's a, t- it's a toss-up, I think, between... I think it's, it's, it's a toss-up between De Gea and, um, and the race. Mm. Um, when De Gea is on top form and in prime form, it's probably him. Um, so De Gea, then. So De Gea, yeah. But... Um, but I would. I wouldn't want to discount Lloris because when he's on top form, he's an excellent goalkeeper mm. uh, and one of the best in the league. So yeah, yeah it's just it's just it probably the high just edges it on. No, I'm not talking about current form. I'm talking about prime what form. you expect, I suppose, in terms of it, it's not it's not necessarily prime form, but you know, do you see? Could you see that person doing that in the next game? Not could I, not what he was like four years ago. Could you see him doing it in the next game? For me, I still think De Gea. This season's been one of United's best players. Uh, he's really come up strong after a poor season. Yeah, and I yeah. can see him having games like he had before because I think he's been very good uh, this season. And when we saw De Gea a few seasons ago, when he was so good, I think on that level, he's just the best shot stopper in the league. I say shot stopper because I don't think he commands his box as well as Edison or Allison. I don't think he's as good with the, at the ball at his feet as Edison or Allison. But... You know, over the years, when he was brilliant for United, he did, uh, you know, perform some wonderful heroics for them in terms of his shot stopping. And now, with the way that he started this season, as one of United's better performers, I still think that in the tank there is the possibility for him to be the best of the rest below Alisson and Edison. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Mm. So does that mean that Lloris isn't in number four for you then? Yes, probably, (laughs) Yeah. I would say, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We've seen his performances for Spurs over the mm. over the years. Not only that, but he's a, he's very vocal, very much a leader, mm. um, very strong character, uh, and he's been very consistent. I mean, he's had he's had obviously like every keeper has bad periods, but generally he's been pretty consistent. He's been number one for Spurs for. As long as I, I can't remember when he was, uh, he was the goalkeeper in the number one before him. Um, no, Brad Friedel, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, possibly. He was the number one under Pochettino pretty much the whole time. Mm. And he stayed number one under, under Mourinho. So, uh, yeah, I would say him probably. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, there's, no, there's no argument there. I, personally, I've, I really like Lloris. I really did it at the time. I thought he was. Um, you know, back in back in the day, back in the day, I sound really old. Back in the day, he was um, I do think he was really, really um, 
really a, a, an excellent leader, excellent shot stopper, fairly commanding. I don't necessarily see that as much now. I, I don't. Th- I think these best years are actually beyond him. And I know we're having this debate. We're having this debate last week, and I put him in my London eleven. And the more I've been thinking about it, I was umming and ahhing. And I still think he's, you know, he's still a very good goalkeeper. And I've, I've actually got him maybe in sixth. He might miss out on my top five because I think his kicking's not at the same standard as some of his competitors. He has lost a little bit of. Um, Agility, I feel, and and it gets done a little bit. I've noticed on low shots into the corner, and we saw that against Leipzig last year in the Champions League, uh, where he didn't have a good a good game at all. I don't think he's got too much left at top. I still think he's a good goalkeeper, but I do think that that will be a position they need to look to strengthen soon. Whereas with De Gea at United, I know Henderson's there as well. With the wet, you know, he's still quite young. He's still quite athletic. I still feel there's something left in the tank there, but I'm not so sure with. With Lurries, but that's just my opinion. So I've got actually gone. I've got for Patricio at Wolves uh, at number four, who is um, he, he didn't he actually made a mistake against Newcastle last week, but he is generally a figure of consistency, a leader, quite good with his feet, makes some very good saves, big saves for Wolves. Mm. I think I think it was such a coup to sign him. Obviously, won the Euro- won the European Championships in twenty sixteen. Bags of experience. Rarely makes mistakes, although he did against Newcastle. A little mistake there in concentration. But for me, I do have him as an edge over Lloris because I think over the past couple of seasons, I think he has been a real figure of consistency uh, for Wolves and they'd really miss him if he wasn't there, I think. That's fair. Yeah, he's a he's a very good keeper. Mm. And like you said, I mean, everything you say is correct. He's performed very consistently for Wolves. Yeah, he's... Um really established himself as their number one, really important to them, you know, because mm. uh, obviously they're not quite at the level of other elite teams. So they probably, I mean, their defence has been superb in the last mm. few seasons, generally, mm. Mm. and he's been part of that. So, yeah, you've got to, yeah, that's a good that's a good shout. So what about number five then? Because I'll go with number five first. Being a hypocrite, if you actually listened last week when I said Lloris would, would my favourite keeper in London, I've flip-flopped again and I've gone back to Leno. Uh, f- because for me, I think they're they're at a similar level. Because I think Leno's got is a, can look a little culpable at times for Arsenal, uh, particularly in a recent Europa League game. About well, it's about a week or so ago now. I think against uh, I think it was against Rapid Vienna. Uh, quote me on that. I, th- I think it was Rapid Vienna where he wasn't too good, but generally quite good with the ball at his feet. Very very good shot stopper. Still developing as a keeper. Uh, very, you know, very assured today against. Uh, didn't really have much to do against Man United, but very assured nonetheless. Yeah, I still, I still have him. You know, just yeah. ahead of Lloris now. Yeah, I, I again another one I rate very highly, and another one who like it's a very difficult, very difficult decision to pick the top five in the Premier League because mm. there's so many good keepers and. Mm. Uh, well, you've got about thirty seconds to do it, James. So. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I want, I, I wanted to get Lino into my top five. I, I very nearly brought him in oh. because he rated very highly for all the reasons that you've mentioned. Literally, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I just, Pope just edged it for me. Not because oh. and I, know, I know I've mentioned that obviously distribution is not brilliant, but in terms of just being a really good goalkeeper and mm. good at good at claiming crosses. Good at shot stopping, good at commanding his area, good at organising people in front of him. Uh, and in terms of keeping his team, especially last season, he kept Burnley in games 
that they would have otherwise have lost. Mm. Because oh, he, he, was so good. he was one of the best keepers in the league last year. I think, mm. uh, statistically, one of the best. Um, mm. And I know that his distribution is not that great. Um, but if you look, I, I'm not judging it just by whether they, they, they've got all those qualities. Mm. Um, I mean, 10 years ago, he would probably been one of the best keepers we in the league. said that, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm, I want to put him in there for that reason, really, that he he's a, he's a top keeper, but he's just mm. not the type of keeper that, that teams go for in mm. modern football. Yeah, not uh, very sexy on the ball, but it's a wonderful way to finish the finish the um, finish the segment because the Burnley goalkeeper getting in the top five, and I didn't pick him, which is quite funny actually. Yeah, um, right. so I thought I thought you were going to go for a reason, but I'll be honest. But anyway, uh, we'll go on to. Um, no, we're not picking the worst goalkeeper in the time. No, of course not. Uh, we'll go on to Europe now. Anyway, uh, again, quite a, quite a bit. Like, we've we've hinted it's quite busy in Europe uh, this week. We'll, we'll, Barcelona. Uh, 79% possession 25 shots 9 on target 14 corners uh, but only drew 1-1 with Alaves uh, Antoine Griezmann scoring uh, an equaliser for Barcelona Roja in the first half for um, Alaves uh, who were down to 10 men actually uh, yeah, yeah, shortly, um, just, just before Griezmann scored so again not not, not particularly um, good, good result for Barcelona at all and they are Oh, they are not doing too well in um, in the in La Liga. Uh, they've already dropped ten points, which is which is quite staggering, really. Um, I, even though they are a club of cast, but they have lost their problematic um, president. But, so, I mean, what what do we? We're talking about this, James. We're sort of hinting about this. Does this change? Does this help the club? Does this mean to keep Lionel Messi? What What's going on? What do we think? I think long term it helps the club because I, you know, I talked to I talked to a few Barca fans on Twitter and stuff, and yeah, the, he was basically the, 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 the president who's just left was an absolute parasite to that club. He was yeah. running it abysmally, running it basically for profit. It was all about the signings weren't strategic; they weren't. It was all about kind of brand and you know money and and it wasn't run properly. It wasn't run well. Um, recruitment wasn't handled well, and they weren't competing. They weren't competing in the Champions League. They haven't been close to winning the Champions League for years, uh, and um, fell out with Lionel Messi. You know, uh, very. Well, that's very never good. That's never good, is it? No. Uh, that's never good at Barcelona. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, lost trust of the fans as well. Like, the fans wanted him gone, so mm. uh, so he's gone. And there'll be now there'll now be elections for a new new president. Mm. Uh, and this is really important to Barcelona. It makes a huge difference because it it's like basically changing the manager. It's like it, the whole the whole kind of structure, the whole you know vision of the club changes. Um, and if you've got a guy, I think the guy, I think the guy that really wants it or his favourite. Is a, wants to bring Xavi in as manager. He wants to give Messi more of a influential role behind the scenes. Mm. He wants to kind of bring back the Barca way, you know, like you've had in Cruyff and, and Guardiola, and make Barcelona great again, James. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Needs a hat, doesn't he? Um, Needs a hat. Um, but um, so yeah, I like, the weird thing is, I always said that when um, Kuman was appointed, that he wouldn't he wouldn't last longer than a year because. Mm. Because the, because the presidential elections were scheduled for March anyway, and new president yeah, and Bartomeu was never going to win those. So, yeah, 
unfortunately, it's sad for Koeman because he's a Barcelona legend and I'm sure it's his dream job. But, uh, yeah, and especially now results are going really badly as well. I don't see that working out. I think um, it's a matter of time, really, before, um, you know, he's replaced and it will be Javi. Mm-hmm. The new president will replace him with, with Xavi. I'm absolutely certain of it. And that will probably mean Messi stays because um, if, if Xavi is manager, that's a manager, that's a guy he's a friend of his, somebody he respects, somebody he trusts, somebody who gets the Barcelona mm-hmm. way, you know, and and he'll feel more confident about the vision of the club, you know. It's so, a, it, yeah, increase the chances of him staying. It's not guarantee, no, because it may be that he still wants to leave, but uh, at the same time, it increases the chances that he will stay. Of course, it does. I mean, there's more than one presidential, um, big presidential debate, um, election results coming through, um, you know, in, over the uh, over the coming uh, period. Uh, so it's not just not just a particularly big one in the. Uh, the far, in, in the far reaches of the United States, there's uh, big yeah. ones going going on in Spain as well. But I tell you what, Real Madrid doing well um, in, as Barcelona struggle four one over Huesha uh, at the bar at the bar the bay at the bar the bay. Yeah, got it. mind frazzle. Um, Eden Hazard back and back with a goal. Benzema with two goals and Valverde as well um, on target. So yeah, I mean it's good for Eden Hazard. He's had a bit of had a bit of trouble since going there. Oh, now he's fit yeah. and he's back with yeah. a goal. Yeah, it was a great goal as well. It really was. It reminded me of the old Eden Hazard at Chelsea because he, he's not really performed at the level that he's capable of yet. No. Um, part of that's because he's had some injuries mm. uh, and never been able to really get going. Mm. So, yeah, hopefully for him, you know, he's obviously as a Chelsea fan, he's an admirer of Hazard. Um mm. Um, yeah, hopefully for him that goes well and he gets back to his form because if Eden Hazard gets back to his top form, then Real Madrid will probably win the Liga. You know, I mean, mm. that's probably, you know, I mean, especially if Barcelona are not doing so well, the competition is less. Mm. Um, obviously, Atletico Madrid are still up there doing pretty well. Um, and as, you know, other teams will probably be involved in it. But, you know, with the quality that Madrid have, um, and if they have Hazard firing, you would expect them to win the league. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, currently Real Sociedad top, but they've played a game more for one victory over Celta Vigo. And, you know, that great start for them, but it's, it's been a crazy, it's been crazy all over, all over Europe. And Atletico Madrid with a 3-1 win over Osasuna as well. Uh, slowly plodding along uh, well. Uh, Diego Simeone's men, not too good against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, but doing quite well domestically. Um, in Italy as well. I mean, in, in Antonio Conte's men seem to um, are, st- are still struggling a little bit with a two-two draw at home to Parma, and they needed uh, they were two 0 down in that game actually, and they needed a last-minute Perisic goal uh, to salvage a point. You now, sixty-nine percent of the ball, twenty-five shots, nine on target, fifteen corners uh, compared to. Um, Palmer's five shots, three on target, and only two corners, but they were efficient, and, and it was, it's more doom for Antonio Conte. Uh, his team's struggling a little bit there, but I think to talk, uh, there's two, there's two other talking points in Italy. Really, one that is that Juventus are now back to winning ways. Um, and Ronaldo is back from coronavirus, so that shouldn't be too coincidental for anyone um, for anyone wondering why they're back. Uh, and they're back with a four-one win over Spezia. Um, 
again, Ronaldo with, Ronaldo with two goals. Uh, they've been struggling without him, particularly in the Champions League. They really missed him against Barcelona. Uh, although Morata was very unfortunate, wasn't he? I think he had um, two goals ruled out uh, with VAR interventions in that game against Barcelona. But Juventus coming back, and the, I mean, Ronaldo is, um, you know, which is, it's, it's obvious really, isn't it? But so important to them. You know, 3-5-2 up the top of the field. Morata started well, but Ronaldo, you know, he's, now, now, he's, now he's a newly formed striker. He's, he's you know, who, who else do you want up front? Exactly, yeah. I mean, clinical finisher. And, you know, great header of the ball. I mean, uh, yeah, he's, he's Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he's, he's mm. still performing at a top-class level. Mm. Yeah, and, you, you know, you put him up front and he's, he doesn't quite have the kind of transformed. He doesn't quite have the running the running abilities that he used to do, where he takes players on one versus one. But I think it's when he gets an opportunity in the box, particularly with his jumping and ability to jump off the ground, yeah, he's, he's same, remarkable same. athlete. But also top of the top of Serie, actually, uh, at least at the, the time. Well, they will be top anyway. But uh, again, just a disclaimer: this is recorded on Sunday night, so if someone isn't top, well, you know. I, I can't, I can't read the future. Um, Udinese lost 2-1 to uh, AC Milan. Milan still doing remarkably well. Many people actually tipping them for uh, uh, as the as the underdogs uh, for the uh, for the for the Serie A title. Ibrahimovic again scoring uh, remarkable. Again, him and him and Ronaldo just do not seem to age. Uh, particularly Ibrahimovic at 39, with an assist as well. I mean, his goal as well was an improvised bicycle kick. Uh, classic Ibrahimovic, I suppose. Um, but, you know, this this team, as, as we discussed last week, got a blend of youth and experience playing in a way. Uh, we talked about the signing of Kiar next to Roman Goli, um, offering stability at the back in that defence. Donnarumma, of yep. course, a very respected goalkeeper as well. And then, you know, the the spark of Ibrahimovic up front. Could that spark be enough to, you know, for this Milan team to upset the odds with Antonio Conte's men staggering at the moment and, and Andrea Pirlo still adjusting to life in management? Is the is the option there for Milan to, to reclaim the Serie A title after such a long uh, time Without a trophy, uh, without well, the title victory. I wouldn't roll it out at all. I wouldn't no. roll it out at all. Nolo's inexperienced. Um, the Aventus team needs rebuilding, although he's brought in a few players, still needs rebuilding. Um, yeah. So there is, I mean, yeah, this season is different to other seasons. So, mm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, with Ibrahimovic there mm. at Milan, you know, he's still got it. He's still performing at like ever consistently, you know, he's scoring goals and he's yeah. and crucially, like we talked about before in relation to United, he's a leader, he's a strong character, he raises the level of everyone around him. He's he, yeah, in, not just on the pitch but in training as well. Mm. And he's got he's got a, he's he's a leader and he's got a winning mentality, he wants to win, it's, 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 he, is, he wants to win. It's, and it's that, a good, well, I'm sure that's been a big factor in Milan doing well, yeah, it's great return. Yeah, great return to his old club. A bit of a surprise, I suppose. Napoli losing two 0 at home to Sassuolo. Roma beat Fiorentina by two goals nil. So good result for them. A uh, bit of an exciting one as well. Uh, Torino three, Lazio four. So again, Serie A throwing up um, some entertainment as it usually does. It's a far cry from the years where it used to be um, 
a very defensive-minded league, that's for sure. Um, and Leipzig, actually, 4-0 defeat uh, against, uh, sorry, 5-0 defeat to Man United in, in midweek in the Bundesliga. They are now slipping away from the top spot in, in the Bundesliga. That's now occupied by Bayern Munich. Um, and Dortmund in second. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach beating them by a goal to nil. Uh, Borussia Dortmund beating Armenia by, by the failed two goals to nil. Uh, Mats Hummels with both goals. That's not something you necessarily hear all the time. Dortmund, 75% possession, 21 shots, 10 on target, 12 corners to uh, their opponents, zero corners. Uh, and they also had only two shots on target and five altogether. Uh, so Dortmund uh, on level on points with Bayern, 15 uh, each at the top of the table. Uh, and Leipzig just behind with 13 points. I mean, it was always a bit of a long shot, wasn't it, for Leipzig to keep up their um, their, their stint at the top of the table. But uh, so I suppose, you know, it wasn't too much of a surprise that Munch and Gladbach came and um, pulled them down a few notches. Yeah. Uh... It seems like some of the teams that you know we, we we said were taking time to get themselves together because of delays in pre-season, delays in Europe, delays in all of those things are starting to assert themselves again. You've got Bayern back at the top of you know of um, the Bundesliga. You are hmm. starting to win games. Um, yeah, uh, Liverpool. You know, um, and even Man City are now. Winning, um, so yeah, and Leipzig, yeah, you never felt they had. I'm not sure they have the squad to sustain that over the season. I mean, they've got a great manager. Nagelsmann is a top manager, mm. uh, but Bayern Munich are so strong, uh, and uh, their squad is unbelievable. And you know, obviously, Dortmund have got a very strong squad as well. Mm. So to sustain that over a season. And win the Bundesliga for any manager would be an, would be a, an incredible achievement with Leipzig. So mm. they're a good side. I'm sure they'll finish in the Champions League places, uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't think they'll win the Bundesliga. But you never know. Um, no, you never know. Crazy you, season. You would, expect, you would expect Bayern to win that to win the Bundesliga. You, you, no, you would absolutely. I mean, I was just saying there, uh, Sassuolo. It was a surprise to beat Napoli, but Sassuolo second in the Serie A. So I was half asleep when I said that. I think I was thinking of well, I don't know who I was thinking of to be honest with you, but they're doing they're doing quite well, and you know, again unbeaten uh, in Serie A, so doing remarkably well. Uh, while some of the other boys in Italy struggle, um, and then just lastly, I suppose, just going over to. Um, just have a look at France. And yeah, P- PSG, uh, no surprise. Again, back at, at the top of the table, uh, doing really well. Um, seven wins, two losses, uh, 21 points. And it, I guess that's a formality in many ways. Lille and Ren uh, just behind in 18 points, but Lille have um, an extra game to play. So, I mean, what, what I find striking, I suppose, really with... Uh, PSG is that uh, Moise Keane, who can't get in the Everton team, is for some reason uh, featuring in 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 the in the PSG team, and they won three 0 against Nantes at the weekend, uh, and he started again, but he didn't score this time. It was Sarabia, Herrera, and Mbappe. Oh, where did that come from, James? What, 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 I, know, I know Thomas Tuchel's not a big fan of uh, Mauro Icardi, but it was a strange one, wasn't it? I suppose maybe it shows that they're a bit cash strapped after all the money to after all the investment yeah, they put in. Uh, yeah, there's the pandemic, and then of course there's financial fair play, mm. uh, which they have to be very careful of now. Uh, mm. And so, 
Yeah, they didn't. They, they, were, they had to be quite shrewd in their recruitment this summer. Moise mm. Keane is a, is a guy that I've always rated. He was a promising striker at Juventus, and I think Everton felt like the wrong move from the mm. start. And the, you know, now he's playing for a good team with quality around him who are creating chances for him, and he's scoring. And yeah, it looks like it's a good move for him and for PSG, quite a shrewd one uh, as mm. well. It's yeah. weird about Cardi because at Cardi we know the quality of Cardi has and mm. they paid fifty million for him this summer. It's bonkers. Um, but football you know, so <laughs> football at the minute is a little bit crazy. I mean that, I suppose that rounds up our, our European roundup quite well. There's quite a lot to go through. I think we discussed it to an to an extent. Uh, yeah. and, it, and hopefully we entice you to have a look yourself at how uh, teams are doing across Europe during these crazy times. But I think that wraps it up. And uh, again, I suppose, uh, happy Halloween for those after... I mean, this was filmed during the Halloween weekend. So again, happy Halloween to those who are listening after this. Hope you had a good time, socially distant good time, I might add. And uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll probably be ourselves, myself and James, watching the American elections very closely this weekend. So whoever you support in that, uh, I hope you aren't too disappointed uh, when the results come through. So um, from myself, yeah, it was, wasn't it? So, so from myself and James, uh, uh, that's a goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week, everyone.